to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Here come the Astros, burning with desire. Here come the Astros, breathing orange fire. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, the Astros, who we know, actually showed up to the ballpark after a couple of games off. We're going to talk about a good result from game four with the Red Sox series. Before we fire up the game four post-game show, a reminder that we're brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Glad that you bet on the Astros tonight. I'm sure not only is BetUS.com the place to bet on all your favorite sports, but in just a few minutes, we'll remind you about our exclusive discount. It's a way to save money, support our show, and maybe help you listeners make a little holiday spending money. My co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr, joins me right now. And Stephen, lots to discuss, but this game felt like two wins with Cora using Uvalde instead of just one win, didn't it? It did, Robert. And I have to tell you, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but after game three, it felt like two losses. It right. felt like the Astros were down three games to one or three games to none. It was so devastating being blown out in back-to-back games. And and you remember what I said, though, after game two. I was still trying to be optimistic. It was one-to-one. But I, I got to tell you, Robert, we didn't talk last night after that game. I had a total reverse. I had to go to bed, get some sleep, get up this morning, and feel better about it because I felt like, look, if they could just steal this game tonight, it'll be a series again. And but but it just it didn't feel that way after Game Three. But you're right, this game felt like two wins. It sure did. Yeah, it was so bad after last night. We just said forget it, and it was a blowout on Saturday night. And we did a podcast and. You guys didn't seem to be that interested, you listeners out there. Can't say I blame you. Not not because of us, but, you know, <laughs> the games. Yeah, no no question about it. Uh, let's go through this one, and there's a bunch to talk about. It was an exciting game, a lot of different moves during the game to talk about. Alex Bregman starts it off with a solo homer, but then he makes an error in the bottom of the first inning after the Bogarts two-run homer. It's kind of like... We're getting half postseason Bregman instead of full postseason Bregman. Yeah, it does seem that way. Um, and he made up for it with another great defensive play later. But at the time, that error sure looked big because you just thought, oh, no, here we go again. You know, if you go on the previous two games, something like that could have easily busted the doors wide open. And this series would we, we'd probably be having a different discussion, Robert. So thankfully, <laughs> Take a big, deep breath, a sigh of relief. It didn't happen. But it made Granke throw a bunch more pitches in the inning. About seven more pitches, I think they were saying. Yes. And then he comes out of the game in the second inning. What do you think about that? Well, it really didn't surprise me. I, I mean, we knew that Grinky wasn't going to go that far. I, I had the setup, and of course, as you said, we didn't podcast the night before, Robert. But if you had asked me my, you know, who would start game four and who would follow, my response would have been Grinky followed by Christian Javier. Now, it didn't work out quite that way because Brooks Raley came in in between. But you, you knew that Grinky wasn't going to give you – he'd have been lucky to give you two innings, honestly. So it didn't surprise me that he came out as early as he did. Big play maybe in the fifth inning, we thought, because Dusty misses a challenge when Schwarber's foot comes off the bag on Altuve's grounder. It was at the end of the inning. It didn't look obvious with the eye – 
I, I don't know if I really fault Dusty on this one. It was an odd deal. And, you know, the Astros don't miss too many times to challenge a call when it's there. No, and, and they really don't challenge a lot. I mean, and, and that's the thing. They have a good high percentage with challenges. That, yeah, they probably would have been too close to call. So I think, you know, one thing I can say for Dusty, he has been smart about his challenges or not challenging in this case, probably. Let's fast forward all the way to the eighth inning. Yeah, let's do that. Not much happened. Uh, Red Sox try to sneak a first pitch fastball past Altuve. You don't do that. And Altuve goes yard. So him being cold in game two and three was a big problem, Steven. You, you got to get him going again, and, and hopefully that gets him rolling. Well, you know, the top coming into the game, Robert, the Astros' top three hitters, Altuve, Brantley, and Bregman, were five for 36 in this series. I mean, you knew that had to change. And the fact that, you know, Altuve hit another home run, his 21st in his postseason career, puts him third all time. And you know something else, Robert? It also is the most by an infielder in MLB history. 21 career postseason home runs by an infielder. Jose Altuve did that too. Yeah, he just keeps putting up these all-time numbers. That's just fun to see the the numbers go up and up and up and stuff happen and you can't talk about the last, I don't know, six, seven innings of this ball game without talking about the relievers. And Christian Javier, Phil Maton, Kendall Graveman did a fabulous job. A couple things that I thought about, Stephen. Christian Javier has again looked great in the postseason. And he has got to be a starter next year because that kind of arm being wasted in the bullpen when you badly need somebody that can just blow people away, has A-plus stuff, and when Christian Javier is on, he's practically impossible to hit. You know, it's funny you say that, Robert, because, and I admit, I was getting a little ahead of myself this morning, (laughs) but I guess you can't blame me after the, the game last night. I started thinking ahead to next season, and who would be in the Astros pitching rotation? Now, I don't have a lot of answers, but... I, I was thinking about Christian Javier in, in feeling like, look, you know, the Astros have to figure out this pitching staff next year, no matter what happens. You've got to figure out what Christian Javier's role is and start heading him toward it. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he should be a starter. He's going to have to stretch out, though, enough to be a starter that can go deep into games. I mean, that that's something that he's got to figure out. And I think that was, you know, the biggest reason that he wasn't put in there this year as a starter most of the time, but he's got to figure that the Astros have to figure out their pitching and, and what the roles are. And certainly with Christian Javier, that's a big thing. He needs to be a starter next year. Absolutely. Kendall Graveman got to give some props because he did not look good most of the second half of the season, but in the postseason, Steven, he's been nails. He has been nails. And then you, you had him, you know, want to do two innings and he was able to do that. He only did that. I think one other time, this season, Robert, and it was in April when he was with Seattle, he pitched two innings in relief. But that's it. I mean, you know, most of the time it's been an inning. I think he had an inning and two-thirds in one game since he came to the Astros. But, man, he was one of several relievers that came through when you really, really needed it to. Can't say enough about them. They they deserve a, a sort of game ball all as a group in this one. And we're going to take a eighth-inning stretch instead of a seventh-inning stretch because our friends at BetUS, uh, they have the Texans as an 18-point underdog at Arizona. And, and you and I got to talk a little bit about this because 
Brandon Cook says, this is an undisciplined team. Can this undisciplined team, Stephen, keep it within 18 against J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins? Well, considering the way the Texans have been playing on the road lately, um, I, I might have to go with the odds makers in this one, Robert. I, I'd like to think that, you know, another bad game on the road, the Texans might actually bounce back, not beat the Cardinals, but give them a good game. I mean, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team in the NFL, and that, that could be, you know, something that uh, might be a, a psychological thing that might come back to bite them. But, yeah, 18 points, it, it doesn't surprise me. I, I have to think that the way the Texans have been playing lately, and, and Brandon Cooks is right. I mean, how can, he, how can he be wrong? An undisciplined team, just so many mistakes. And, you know, what gets me, Robert, these aren't all young guys. This isn't the Houston Rockets here. With all these young players and hardly any veterans, these are guys that, you know, they're veterans on one-year contracts. They've got something to play for, but they look like a bunch of rookies out there with all the mistakes they're making. Nick Casario was about getting his guys in. We're going to play a certain way. We're going to do a certain thing. And it really doesn't say a whole lot about what the atmosphere is over there after all of the changes in the offseason when Brandon Cooks is calling this team undisciplined still. Well, yeah, and of course, Brandon Cooks is a holdover from last season. So he's one that's got to be especially frustrated, you know, not just for what happened last year, but then all the things during the offseason. And now this season, you know, they win their first game. They look so good. And now they haven't won since. So you, you can't blame him for that kind of frustration. And he's absolutely right. He's, he's just speaking the truth. That's all. He's the only guy that could have gotten away with this on, on the team, right? He's the, he's the best player, the only guy that showed up every game. Well, no, you better watch it now. Jack Easterby might be, you know, speaking in Casario's ear to trade him because, you know, of course, he's going against the team. I mean, that's what happened to DeAndre, right? And all these other people? No. Yeah, but but Brandon Cooks is the guy that's that's got to step up and say that. I mean, there's there just isn't a whole lot of real leadership on this team with De, DeAndre gone, Deshaun gone, J.J. Watt gone, all these guys, you know, that were supposed to be your leaders are no longer there. So yeah, it's, it's Brandon cooks that's stepping in and taking that role. We're going to have a couple other notes about the Texans at the very end of the show. So you want to stay tuned for that. If you need a little bit more of the Texans, but 18 points, I agree with Steven don't bet on the Texans. I don't know if I would run out and bet on the Cardinals. This is not a game I'm super thrilled about because the 18 point spreads a little big for me, but if you're going to bet, on the Texans or against the Texans or whatever, or find another game in the NFL, you want to do it with our partners at BetUS because you might as well use a sports book with integrity and longevity, not just football too. They, they take action on any sport, been doing it for decades, pioneer in the sports book industry, as we've spoken about it before. And they're, you know, they've just got a, a, a diehard customer fan base and an easy to use mobile platform. It's real easy to do. You just go to BetUS.com or call 800-792-3887, 800-79-BETUS if you want to make a phone call. But, you know, they've got the mobile platform. They've got the website. And uh, you want to go there and, and save yourself some money when you do it, when you sign up. Because if you use HST, HST125, our promo code, you can redeem a 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. HST 125 to help our podcasts sign up using either the bet us link on our pin post at the top of our Twitter page, or go to our website, Houston sports Click on the bet us icon, get your online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity. Like I did bet us, you bet you win, you get 
paid. Mm, well, if you bet on the Astros, as we said earlier, and you got paid, Robert. Unbelievable ninth inning. Correa, huge double to start the ninth inning. Maybe could have been a triple, said Joe Buck, but baseball rules say don't make the first or third out at third base. I, I was fine with Correa not, you know, maybe going all out like, hey, I'm going to try to get a triple out of the box because, you know, bad things can happen, can happen there. But the real magic happened with Clutch Castro. I'm going to start just calling him Clutch Castro. It's hard for me, Stephen, to wrap my head around what is going on with Jason Castro this year. Who is this guy and what has he done with Jason Castro? <laughs> well, you know, he did uh, He did have an all-star appearance in the Astros his first time around. And, you know, of course, it was in a, a terrible season when, that the Astros were having. But, you know, I, I it's really not that surprising, Robert. I mean, Jason Castro has emerged in the last few weeks by far as the Astros' best pinch hitter. He's been making contact, you know, and he's he's just been making – even when he gets out, he hits the ball hard. So – yeah, it just it it's only fitting that he would come through, and you got to add him to the list. I mean, I know it wasn't a home run, like say Chris Burke, you know, in two thousand five or something like that, but you got to add his name to the list of some of the biggest hits in Astros history because this really broke the game open. I mean, if that hit hadn't happened, who else? Who who knows what would have happened? To put this in perspective, what he's done this year, what he's doing in this postseason for his career. He's hit 224 in late and close situations with a 710 OPS. This year, 375 with a 1140 OPS. Whew. Yeah, that's whopping. I mean, that that is surprising, really. But just in the last few weeks, I mean, he has put it together. And, and this is a guy that he has played very, very little. I, I really thought that he would start more games, certainly – earlier in the season, you know, even as the season went on. But, you know, it's hard to keep Martin Maldonado out of the lineup just for the defensive purposes. It's certainly not for his bat. I mean, if you could take Jason Castro's bat lately and put it with Martin Maldonado's defense, man, you'd sure have something behind the plate, wouldn't you? You got to kind of find some spots to, to hit Jason Castro more or potentially – put him in the lineup on a, on a regular basis in, in some of these postseason games. I'm not saying he should be starting the rest of the Astros series, but Steven, you got to think at least give him a full game coming up here because he's having great at bats and Martin Maldonado isn't doing much there. And do you need Martin Maldonado's gun behind home plate with the Boston Red Sox? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I, but I, I think, again, it's a security. I, I, what I really think he is, Robert, is a security blanket. That That's what he is. He's a security blanket, especially when it comes to the pitching staff and settling them down and all that. It, it's an intangible. We don't see it a lot. Yeah, you may be right. I, I would actually like to see Castro start a game in this series, if for no other reason, you know, just to maybe get some more offensive power at the bottom of that lineup. But you know, you put him in that pinch hitting role and lately he's just been, he's been money. I mean, talking about bet us, man, he's been money. The key though, is the Astros have to be close enough late in the game. Like they were in this one towards Jason Castro is of use. Yeah, that's certainly true. And you know, the fact that you've got Chaz McCormick, you know, you, you could pinch it for him, put Siri in as a defensive replacement. 
in the ninth inning and things like that, you know, that, that opens up those kind of opportunities. Or, you know, late in the game, when uh, Maldonado's coming up to bat, let's say in the ninth inning, you can pull him and put Castro in at that point and have a chance. So the rest of that inning after Jason Castro, the Astros explode, get a bunch of runs. In baseball, sometimes you go, oh, save those runs for tomorrow. Save those runs for tomorrow. Steven, forget all that. The Astros needed to get their bats going just so they could see themselves get some hits after the last three games. Oh, no, I, I was saying I, I wanted to get greedy. I was like, oh, you know, come on. let's. The bases were loaded. It was, you know, I was like, hit a grand slam. Come on, Yuli, hit a grand slam. No, I, I was being greedy, Robert. I, I wasn't holding back anything. I, I, you know, I was just I was so pissed after game three. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't about to want to let up in game four. I want to ask you about one thing in game three, since we didn't talk about it. And, and it's just one of my pet peeves with Dusty. And you're probably just going to agree, I would assume, with this. But do you got any thoughts on Jose Siri playing instead of Chaz McCormick? Chaz McCormick's been one of the Astros' best postseason hitters. He, he's been the only guy in this series for the Astros outside of maybe a Kyle Tucker and Yuli Gurriel that, that was rolling early in the series. And you, you take him out for this Jose Siri that, you know, he, he had a good week or two uh, in, in, in September and, and that was it. And, and, and he's done a lot of boneheaded moves otherwise, both on the base paths and at the plate. Yeah, in hindsight, it doesn't look good. I mean, he certainly, he made good contact. He just wasn't getting the hits the way McCormick and Jake Myers did in the ALDS. But I think what Dusty's thinking was, is that he wanted Siri in center field, that that expansive center field that Boston has. He felt like Siri could cover that well, and he had a great arm. That was his thinking. Well, it, it didn't quite play out that way. I certainly don't think that that was the reason the Astros, I they would have lost that game no matter what. But yeah, moving forward, I, I think, and I even said this, Robert, and I think we even talked about it before the series, well, before the postseason started. If you're going to put Jose Siri in, it, it might be as a defensive replacement late, but don't have him hit necessarily or, or necessarily be on the bases. I think it's defensive replacement in certain situations, but I don't know that I would be starting him at this point. But I think what it also showed is that they don't feel that Jake Myers is physically ready to play because he's on the roster, but he hasn't played at all in this series. The thing with Chaz McCormick is we act like this guy isn't fast, hasn't played really good defense, hasn't hit really well in the clutch. Jose Siri defensively, remember in the regular season, there was the play where he overran a baseball. You know, he's not a, a great thought process guy out there. And, and that's my concern in the postseason. And he's barely played a lot of regular season games. And I, granted, I mean, this is Chaz McCormick's first year, but he looks like a 10-year pro out there. And Jose Siri looks like a, a, a deer that just came out of the mother's womb or something like that. Doesn't know where he's going. Sometimes doesn't know what he was he's doing. There was the play where he was trying to get, I forget who it was, one of the Astros to, to run to second base. On a, on a throw that got past the, the first baseman, but he didn't see that there was somebody backing him up, and that could have gotten the Astros in trouble. Luckily, you know, the, the Astros player was smarter than that. I think it was might have been Yuli Gurriel or something like He was smarter than that. He didn't go anywhere, but it's just it's that type of stuff that I don't want him anywhere near a baseball field unless it's pinch running for like a Martin Maldonado or something like that. 
Yeah, I think here's the contrast. You know, I, I think sometimes Jose Siri overreacts. I mean, maybe his speed, maybe he's too fast because he overruns balls. Chaz McCormick just has great instincts. You know, he he may not have Jose Siri, Jake Myers type speed, but he does have the ability to get to balls when he needs to. And at the plate, you know, you, you can't say enough about the job he's done as a hitter. I mean, he, he's had some timely hits. He's making contact. He's not striking out. And, of course, Jose Siri, you know, especially during the season, had a penchant for striking out way too much. He's cut down on that a little bit. But, yeah, I, th- I think over the long haul, you've got to stick with Chaz McCormick. And if Jake Myers is ready and healthy to play, I think you can sub both of those guys in and out. It's amazing because it, it, it just made me think that Dusty continues to have something against Chaz McCormick. Remember, he was out playing Miles Straw, and everybody was like, why isn't Chaz McCormick playing more when Miles Straw was with the Astros? And and now Chaz McCormick is like having to fight off Jose Siri. I mean, Chaz McCormick, the guy, all he's done is perform in the clutch with speed, with power, with defense. What more do you want this guy to do, Dusty? Get off his back. Yeah, that's, that's scratch your head on that, right? Because, in fact, I remember, you know, Dusty apparently didn't seem very happy with the Miles Straw trade. So, you know, that adds to it. But, you know, you, you've got to play the guy. If he keeps getting hits and he keeps making plays, I, I don't care what, you know, whether you really just aren't convinced that he's the player or not, you got to keep playing him. So, Framber Valdez is going tomorrow, and Stephen, he, he can't go two innings again. That's not acceptable. He has a total of seven innings in his two postseason starts so far. Yeah, you really need Framber to step up. I mean, you really, really do. I, I mean, it's easy for us to sit here, though, and say, you know, if he doesn't, that the Red Sox will probably go up 3-2, and that might be the difference in the series. But, you know, Robert, here's the thing, is that even if they do go up 3-2, You've got the two games at Minute Maid Park, and, you know, many great things have happened when that's going on. So, yeah, Fromber, I, I just I just don't know what to say about him. He's the guy that you would really expect to come up and give you five, six, even seven innings. But the way he's been pitching this season, you know, he had that remarkable early comeback from, you know, the broken ring finger. We were all just ooing and aahing over it. But that's long since passed. I mean, he's had plenty of time to round into shape and be the Fromber that he was last year, and he just hasn't done it. So if he doesn't, you know, then what do you do? You can't use Javier again. So do you go to Odorizzi again to follow Fromber Valdez and then just patchwork it from there? That That's about the only scenario I can think of at this point. Fromber, just like Luis Garcia, looks like a guy that's having control problems in the last couple of months of the season and in the postseason because guess what? He's never, ever, ever pitched this many innings in his life. Yeah, and I think that is a lot of it, unfortunately. And it, it's one of those things, you know, you try, they, they certainly tried with Garcia to limit his innings later in the season, just, you know, for that very reason. But there's only so much you can do, Robert. And even if you did, when you get to this time of year and you're being used day after day or, you know, two or three, two out of three days, it's just hard. It, it's not something they're used to. So that's a concern, certainly. But, you know, we've been concerned about the Astros pitching this whole series. And look where we are. We're tied at two games apiece. So very little is going to surprise me anymore, I think, Robert, the way this thing is going. This series is crazy. 
Last thoughts on, on, on the series or this game or anything else? Well, I did want to talk about Uvalde a bit, even though it, it was a Red Sox move, you know, not an Astros move, but it certainly opened the floodgates. You know, I, I really can't blame Alex Cora. I mean, he's one of those unconventional managers. He's going to roll the dice. And, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You know, that wasn't the first time that Uvalde has done that. In the 2018 postseason, he came out of the bullpen several times in between starts and relief. So it's not as if Alex Cora did something that with Avaldi that has never happened before. It, it has happened before. It, what he was trying to do is put away the Astros or at least, you know, give his team a chance to win it in the bottom of the ninth when they couldn't hit Uvalde in game two. It obviously didn't work. Thank goodness for for the Astros. It broke the game open. But you know that Cora is being vilified on Boston talk shows and whatever Red Sox podcasts are out there. But it's one of those gambles. I mean, I, I really do see his thinking and why he did it. If Alex Cora was the manager for the Astros in 2019, Garrett Cole would have been in the game. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Because you and I went back and forth in that conversation in 2019 of why Garrett Cole wasn't in the game. Yeah, Alex Cora, Alex Cora is not afraid to take chances. And, you know, you look at Dusty, and I know we've criticized Dusty with a lot of moves. It, it's like Dusty is plays it very conservative and just goes with just the, I don't know, his view, whatever that view is. But he doesn't, certainly doesn't do the unconventional things that Alex Cora does. He's got a great record in the postseason, Alex Cora. But sometimes, and in this particular case, you gamble, you lose. Stephen, have you got a bunch of candles around the house lit? in a little ceremony for the loss and hurt feelings that you have that Whitney Merciless can't play again in a Houston Texans uniform. I started to text you when I saw the, that he had been released yesterday and I don't know, something distracted me and I never got around to it, but I was going to say Whitney Merciless is released by the Texans. I know you are sad with, with a smirking face emoji, you know, the best intentions, Robert, I I didn't do it. I should have, but you were the first person I thought of when I saw that headline on um, Monday. And not only that, Andre Roberts. You're not going to see Andre Roberts returning kicks anymore, are you? Yeah, I was going to mention that too. And the thing with the Andre Roberts signing was it was a two-year deal that they gave to him. And there's just so many of these moves that Casario is like just blown and screwed up. And, you know, you're going to make some mistakes when you do these free agent signings in the off season. That's going to happen, but it, it, it seems like it's happened way too often for a guy that's supposed to be a special teams uh, expert as far as building a roster with, with special teams, with what he did with the Patriots. He just hasn't looked good in doing that. I, I, I just want to have one little last word on Whitney Merciless. We, we make fun of Whitney Merciless. We poke at him, but it's more a poke at the Texans organization. It's not, not against him personally. Right. He's a good guy, actually. Yeah, great human being. And the other thing is, you know, this is not somebody that made the Texans give him the money. It was the Texans willingly saying, here, take all of our money. You know, you can have it all. And, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes I think when you when you do this, Stephen, when you're, talking about uh, sports and, and players and contracts and everything like that, it a lot of it sounds like it's personal against a player. 
And typically, I'm usually going after the organization for the move, the GM or whoever was in charge, like a Jack Easterby, for instance. But like, you know, it's it's not about that guy personally. It's not a personal thing. Typically, I only get mad at guys personally if I feel like, oh, they're not trying, they're not hustling, they're not doing enough behind the scenes or uh, practicing enough to, to, to prepare themselves for games and things like that. No, I, and you're right, Robert. And I'm glad you brought that up because there is a difference. But at the end of the day, you know, if you do sign that big contract, you are expected to produce. And, and Whitney had some flashes over the years, but certainly did not live up to the contract that he signed. And that's just the bottom line. But it it's certainly not that we're trying to trample the guys. We said he's a great human being and he has done a lot of great things in the community, certainly over the years. And it's amazing. I mean, the Texans drafted him in 2012. I guess it just, it doesn't seem that long ago, but he's 31. And it just looks as if, I know part of the time, I think he was playing out of position, but just, he has not produced in the last couple of three years. And certainly after signing that big contract. So no, we wish Whitney well, wherever he does end up. And he did have some good seasons with the Texans, but at this point, you know, with the Texans going younger, or at least, you know, going toward a rebuild and in a rebuild, a guy like Weekly Merciless that isn't producing, making that kind of money is just, it's just like having an albatross around your neck. And let me add something else, Robert. You're talking about Casario and all the, the moves and the mistakes he's made. Doesn't it worry you just a little bit? It, let's say the Texans do trade Deshaun and get a good load of draft picks. And with the draft picks that they're going to have just from being a bad team, in the next year, does it kind of worry you that Nick Casario is going to be holding the cards on all those draft picks, even if they are high first round picks? Honestly, I, I, I'm not worried because it's hard for me to really feel like this organization has any idea what they're. My expectation level at this point is none, minus none, probably is the more accurate uh, description. And so, am I worried? No, if I would be worried if I felt like the Texans as an organization could ever figure this thing out with Cal McNair in charge. So no, I, I, I'm not worried. But if you're a Texans fan and you still like want to be a cheerleader and go, go, go Texans and, you know, want to put your heart into it, you should be worried. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. In other words, you're preparing for the worst, hoping for the best. Yeah, not even hoping for the best going, uh, uh, yeah, there's like about a lottery odds chance in hell of there being the best uh, with the Texans. Yeah, it's it's just, it's it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I can't look at this organization. I can't look at what I've seen from Casario, knowing what he did in New England, knowing w- what he's done so far with the Texans, uh, David Culley hiring the you know, the, 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 the Cal McNair and Jack Easterby stuff. It's, I just can't, I mean, I can't. And, you know, you might as well take all your money and just keep betting against all of these guys. And if you're going to bet, watch that, watch that transition. Uh, you want to do it with our sponsor, bet us America's favorite sports book, college football, the NFL, any sport, baseball, even the Astros and the playoffs. Uh, you can go to bet us to do, any of the sports that you want to bet on, uh, use the code HST125 to get that 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. The promo code is in our show description. And to help our podcast, you can use either 
the BetUS link on our pinned Twitter post at the top of the page, or go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net, and click on BetUS. It's that easy. Until next time, go Strohs! You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Here come the Astros, number one every time. Go!